Supreme Court, where the U.S. Supreme Court has just released its decision on the case Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization. You can see the crowd behind me. It's getting wild. It's getting loud. Welcome to a brand new edition of Problematic Women. I'm Lauren Evans. And I'm Virginia Allen. What you just heard was a little bit of our coverage from the Supreme Court on Friday. Today, Lauren and I, we are changing up the show a little bit. As you all know, we usually do um, an interview-only edition on the second and fourth Tuesday of every month. But we're flipping it this week. And we are doing sort of our usual Thursday show on today, Tuesday. And then we will have our interview show that would have been today instead on Thursday because we just could not wait. We could not wait any longer to tell you about this amazing decision. Even Roe on Friday, we were like, we, we should record an episode. Yeah, honestly, like we were all ready to do it and then life just got insane. It just never stopped being insane on Friday. So we didn't have time. So we did do an Instagram Live. So that's up on Instagram if you want to watch that of our raw reaction. Uh, but we're so excited today to just talk about what it was like being at the court and all of the things with Roe v. Wade being overturned. And here with us to help us break it all down is the OG, OG problematic woman, Kelsey Bowler, who is a contributor to The Daily Signal. Kelsey, thanks for being here. Hey, what a big week. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Okay, we have an awesome plan for today. Lauren, go ahead, let us know what we have queued up. Upon today's problematic women, we share what it was like being at the Supreme Court the very moment the Roe versus Wade was overturned. Plus, we break down what is next in the fight for life and how the radical left's attempt to glorify abortion is backfiring. And as always, we'll be crowning our Problematic Woman of the Week. Each week on Problematic Women, we sort the news to find stories that are of particular interest to conservative-leaning or problematic women, those whose views and opinions are so often excluded by those on the so-called feminist left. If you are a problematic woman or just someone who supports strong, independent women, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and encouraging others to subscribe. It really does make a difference. All right, let's get to it. So it's Friday morning, and Lauren and I and a couple other people, we walk over to the Supreme Court every um, opinion day that the Supreme Court announces. Opinions come out at 10 a.m., and uh, Lauren recently informed me that they release a new one every 10 minutes. So it's 10 a.m. We're at the Supreme Court. We did not think it was going to come out. We, we honestly didn't think it was going to come out. An really? opinion drops. And you're like, okay, it's something that's very important to someone, but just we weren't super yeah. familiar with it. Um, and then 10 minutes later, it's 10:10. I'm just like refreshing on my phone over and over. And all of a sudden, it's there. The Dobbs case is out. <laughs> like, it's out. And, and it's just like, Virginia's literally was like, Lauren, Lauren, case, it's true. And I sound just like that. You really too. high in well, <laughs> In my head, that's my Virginia voice. And I'm like, what? What? And like, literally, just everybody st- and started freaking out. Yeah, because it's, it's the moment that we have been waiting for for years. And obviously, since the case leaked, every opinion day is, okay, maybe it could be coming out. And finally, this moment is here. And, like, my hands were just instantly shaking. Just like, I don't know what to do. Hot, wait, everything we planned and prepared for. What was the plan? What are we doing? And everybody, I think, had the same reaction where it was like, let's just take 30 seconds, mm-hmm. enjoy this minute, and then just get to the plan of what we were trying to do. So it did kind of take a minute to be like, oh, let's process, da-da, and then yep. just action. Yeah, exactly. And the and pro-life side really did just 
it was so fun. It was so fun to watch how all the pro-lifers, instant um, joy, joy. Tears of joy. I spoke with multiple protesters who were crying, and I asked them why they were crying, and they just expressed, you know, this has been something that we've been hoping for for so long. One girl even told me, you know, multiple of of her family members had been aborted, and she just was both feeling um, that sorrow for all of the lives lost, but also such joy Hmm. that now, moving forward, so many more babies' lives will be saved, Uh, and I mean, honestly, on the pro-life side, it, it was one big party. They had music playing. They had a bubble machine going at one point. <laughs> like everyone was just overjoyed and so full of emotion, um, a very different kind of emotion for the pro-abortion side. <laughs> uh, but it was incredible to see the pro-lifers so full of life and so full of joy. And this moment that they'd been waiting for for so long finally happened. Kelsey, where were you when you heard the news? I was actually sitting in the exact chair in my <laughs> at-home office that I'm sitting in now. It was a Friday, and I actually don't typically have childcare on Friday, uh, but because our family had a lot of COVID, I was catching up on some work and found out on Twitter. And Lauren, <laughs> you were actually one of the first people I texted, and I, what I said to you was that I kind of felt sad that I wasn't at the Supreme Court to Mm. witness this because for so many years, my work at the Daily Signal has brought me to um, the the heart of where these decisions are being made. I was there uh, when Obergefell came down. Um, I've been at the Supreme Court for so many different cases, and I was just in Washington, D.C. the day before. (laughs) I was in my house in Virginia just thinking, wow, um, what a historic moment. I was almost tempted to drive into Washington, D.C. to witness it because – it really is history. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I, I think a lot of, of us who've been involved in this issue for a long time kind of have this, this dual reaction where on one hand, we do want to get out the bubbles and scream and celebrate. <laughs> but on the other hand, we're watching a lot of women and, and some men react with genuine fear. And, Mm. you know, a lot of that is based on misinformation. But, you know, some of it is sincere. This is a real change that many states across this country are um, now moving forward with. It's, it's um, It's a new landscape on this issue. And I, um, I think many of us feel sad and we want to just reach out and hug those on the other pro-abortion side on, of this issue and comfort them, you know, and tell them there is another way, you know, you don't have to react with this fear. Um, but you know, <laughs> but then at the same time, we also see so much anger and outrage and it's hard to even want to reach out to those people um, because, you know, that type of reaction, I think a lot of us, um, it's, it's, it's not really rational. They're not here to have a conversation um, about their feelings. They're just out there to scream at people and, and express their emotions. So I think a lot of us are just kind of <laughs> sitting in this space where maybe amongst our friends, 
we are celebrating, um, but we're also very cognizant of the fact that um, this is an issue that deeply and passionately divides Americans, and um, it's it's a new future that we as a society are going to have to adjust to. And, you know, I personally, I know the two of you too, we, we all want to play a productive role in that effort. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. And Kelsey, I'm glad you brought that up because um, I think as we've done with other issues on this show, we've just kind of taken a moment to acknowledge the fact that politics, unfortunately, and political issues um, do divide people. And while protecting the unborn shouldn't be a political issue, it is. And, I'm sure that so many of you listening, you maybe have already lost friends on social media because of things you've posted. Um, Family members maybe won't talk to you. Or maybe you feel like you can't say anything for fear of of losing friends or um, for fear of people at your work looking down on you. Um, And I just want to acknowledge like that that really is a hard position to be in. Um, And, you know, for, for those that choose to speak out, you know, I, I think that's great. But also, I, it, it is understandable for those that feel like, you know, maybe I can celebrate with one or two close friends or in my room privately. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it, it, it's a tricky situation that we find ourselves in. I, I personally find comfort in knowing I'm on the right side of history with mm-hmm. this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and anytime I'm kind of having a hard time uh, reading the misinformation or the sincere fears on the other side of this issue, um, you know, I, I keep telling myself, you know, this is going to be hard for a lot of people, but, you know, we, we know uh, these are lives, real lives are being saved mm-hmm. by, um, by this ruling already. Some have been saved. We're going to talk about that later <laughs> in the show. Um, but, but, you know, I, I think we should find comfort that... <laughs> It's pretty safe to say we're on the right side of history in this one, protecting babies. Yeah. I thought it was really funny. Our colleague, Mark, who's recording this episode right now, sent a pro-life graphic that we created to the uh, big group of staffers here at Heritage. He said, let's all post this to our social media profiles. Whoever loses the most friends wins. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It's like, accurate, accurate. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. But it's like, I can't believe I'm even laughing about it because it's something I've personally struggled with. Um, You know, I, I even someone who works on this issue, I can't be as vocal as I would like on my personal social social media accounts because I do have some friends who are very sensitive to it. And I don't think that the fact that somebody who works – and does this stuff for a living, doesn't feel like she can uh, freely speak out on this issue, bodes well for the rest of mm-hmm. Americans, uh, you know, who don't work on this issue that, you know, they can't speak out. So uh, mm-hmm. it does, um, it is a hard, hard time on social media, I'd yeah. say, <laughs> for a lot of us, which is actually something we wanted to talk about Absolutely. a little later. But I do think... Um, Lauren and Virginia, I am so glad you both were there to witness this historic moment in person at the Supreme Court. I'm so grateful that your work at the Daily Signal brought you there. Um, We know just this week, Coach Kennedy Mm -hmm. uh, also got his victory. And uh, that's another one I would have loved to witness in person. Mm -hmm. But I know we've all met him personally, been involved in telling his story. And it really is cool when you take a step back and uh, think, 
about all the ways in which our work at The Daily Signal on problematic women have brought us to the forefront of these fights, of these issues, uh, and, and enabled us to not only witness history, but really be a part of it. Because when we're telling these stories, um, we are making a difference in the narratives. Uh, and that is pretty incredible when you think about it. Mm. Virginia's Kelsey. not gonna cry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it's like making me really stop and Aww. think. Like, no, thanks for saying that because it, it is powerful to and, think about, and it, it is an honor to be a part of. Like, it really is a privilege to get to to tell people's stories. People like Coach Joe Kennedy that took a stand for prayer, and you know, after a seven year legal battle, now finally has his victory. And after fifty years of people praying and advocating for life, now Roe v. Wade is overturned, and it's like. Wow, who am I to get to be a part of these things? Well, on that note, I, Lauren, I texted you, and then I also texted Kelly Clemente, who <laughs> uh, was a um, a girl who, at the Daily Signal, we did a feature documentary on. When she was eighteen, she faced an unplanned pregnancy, and she chose adoption. And she told us this very vulnerable story where we actually had the opportunity to speak with her parents on camera to uh, relive their reaction to learning their 18-year-old was pregnant. And her story was such a uh, beautiful one of of life. And uh, I made sure to reach out to her and thank her for being a part of the pro-life movement because it takes a lot of bravery to tell those kinds of stories. And I actually went back after the Roe v. Wade decision came down and rewatched some of that through tears, uh, <laughs> because these stories really did and still do make such a difference in this conversation. That's a story I'd really encourage anybody listening to go back and watch. Um, it's published on the Daily Signal, Google Kelly Clemente. Uh, you won't regret watching it. I mean, uh, it's just, it's it's so powerful and it's so amazing that we have voices like that who are going to help us navigate these difficult times for other young women who might face unplanned pregnancies. Yeah, I, Kelsey, I love that documentary. I'm so glad you took a moment to honor her because you're right. It, it's not just about us. And I'm glad that when you were speaking about your this privilege that you have, you could continually use the word us because it really isn't just Lauren Evans. It isn't just Virginia Allen. It's not just Kelsey Bowler. We could not do what we do without mm-hmm. our problematic women listeners mm-hmm. and our daily signal audience and just know how important you are. It really does take everyone to to do this and build this movement from those who worked at pregnancy centers, from those who came to the March for Life, for those who gave money, for those who uh, just talked to their friends about abortion, to those who counseled Share women. Stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I just I, I want to thank all of you and just know that. You are part of this and you are important. And yeah, t- make sure you take a second and you, you really celebrate this win. Yeah, yeah. Well, and we want to talk more about what exactly happens now, what happens at the state level, uh, what you can do, and also take a little time to kind of debunk some of the myths that you might be hearing right now about what happens to abortion and what's next in the fight for life. Um, But before we get to that, if you are enjoying this episode of Problematic Women and want to find other like-minded podcasts, look no further than She Thinks. She Thinks is a podcast production of the Independent Women's Forum. Every Friday, 
at 9 a.m. Eastern. Host Beverly Hallberg is joined by policymakers and thought leaders to cut through the spin and bring you facts on the issues that matter most, from the economy and education to foreign policy and everything in between she thinks has you covered. And if you can't wait for that next episode to drop, you can listen to past episodes at iwf.org or just search for She Thinks Podcast on your favorite podcast app. In the majority Supreme Court decision on Dobbs, Justice Samuel Alito wrote, quote, the Constitution does not confer a right to abortion. Roe and Casey are overruled, and the authority to regulate abortion is returned to the people and their elected representatives. Wee! Wow. That's just... <laughs> Get excited. Get excited. Just, I love, too, how, like, succinct and, like... Mm-hmm. Straightforward. Yep. Return to the states. There is no federal right to abortion, so now the American people and their elected leaders have the opportunity to determine abortion laws in their own states. I mean, really, this is an opportunity for every American to be a voice for those who have none. We obviously take part in voting and electing our state leaders. Um, already, we have seen 26 states put pro-life laws in place to protect the unborn. So now, like, it, it's up to us. It's up to us and our elected leaders to keep doing that, to keep protecting life. Um, some states across the country are, are really, really pro-life. They're taking a stand to protect life. And then you have some other states, not quite so much. Um, states like Vermont or um, Alaska or New Mexico that still allow abortion up until the moment before a child is born. Um, And, you know, in in the midst of all of these conversations about, okay, what actually happens next? I think we're hearing a lot of misinformation. Um, So I want to ask you all, what what do you think are some of the biggest pieces of misinformation that you all have been hearing or seeing on social media right now about uh, what, what Roe v. Wade being overturned means? A topic, pregnancy and miscarriage. Are mm. two major ones I've been seeing. Hmm. Okay, so what? Break that down. What do you mean by that? I see a lot of friends on the left claiming that women are no longer going to be able to get the treatment they need for ectopic pregnancy or miscarriage. And for those who don't know what an ectopic pregnancy is, it's uh, where a uh, embryo often implants somewhere it's not supposed to. Uh, This often happens in the fallopian tube. And this actually can be deadly for women if it goes untreated. So it is a very serious health condition. Um, But what's interesting is both Planned Parenthood and pro-life advocates um, don't consider treatment for an ectopic pregnancy an abortion because um, the pregnancy was never viable. Um, It is, it is, it is, not um, implanted in the right place. And so there's really no reason that, you know, treating it should be categorized as an abortion. Um, But I think, you know, knowing how dangerous that condition poses to women's health, um, it's kind of a easy way to fear monger. But it's hard to imagine any doctor, um, you know, looking at this condition and saying I can't treat it because of any abortion law. And what I, I think, um, you know, the best response to this is to ask those making this claim to show you the specific area in the text of any uh, abortion regulation that would directly impact the treatment of an epitopic pregnancy. And the same goes for a miscarriage. 
Um, so put the onus on those making this claim to show you the exact text where it would prohibit the very necessary treatment. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, those are two claims I've seen going wild on Instagram. And I have to give a shout out uh, to both Ali Beth Stuckey and Allison Siofante, who on their Instagram accounts have done an excellent job debunking these claims and providing uh, resources to all of us so that we can engage in factual information and when we so choose, mm-hmm. um, respond with resources and help our friends on the other side know that no one in the pro-life community would ever want to get in the way of treating a woman who is facing an ectopic pregnancy or a miscarriage. Yeah. No, I Kelsey, that is such an important point and something that I saw over and over again on Instagram. I also saw on Instagram stories over and over again was a screenshot of a tweet that said, on Thursday, the Supreme Court ruled that guns should be federalized. With the, They're talking about the New York State Pistol and Rifle Association case, which said that, you know, people in New York should have the right to have guns without having to prove that their life was in danger, but then on Friday wanted to push the abortion rule back to the states, basically trying to make these conservative justice look hypocritical. But I wanted to like really respond. I didn't because I didn't want to stir the pot too much. But I was like, have you literally ever read the Constitution? <laughs> like the 10th Amendment says anything not listed here goes to the states. So, but the, in the Second Amendment, so you have the right to keep and bear arms. So it's not hypocritical at all. They're just reading the Constitution and doing what it says. Mm -hmm. The Constitution says something specific about guns, so they do have the right to make a decision on that. The Constitution says nothing about abortion, so they can send it back to the states. And it's just another one of those talking points. It seems like it was written to be clever but not written to be factual. Yeah. No, it's people not using their head and thinking clearly. Um, and it's uh, such a, sort of a soundbitey yeah. argument to make. So everyone's just gravitated towards it when it's completely uh, not factual and obviously in no way grounded in the Constitution. Uh, one that I have, have heard uh, repeated a lot is that um, women who now have illegal abortions will face prison time. Um, and if you actually look at – Uh, Every state across the country and states that are now and have banned abortion, um, all of the um, sort of uh, consequences go to those who actually perform the abortion, the the doctors, those Mm. who are taking that action, not the women. Um, And it – I mean it's just – again, it's people that say, well, this sounds good. This sounds flashy. This will get a reaction. This will rile people up when it's not grounded at all in facts. I've seen both those claims on Instagram as well, many others, and I do think it's important that on Problematic Women, we play a role in debunking these, so mm-hmm. this is something I hope we continue to cover um, moving forward. You can count on us for that, but again, I, I do think uh, those two Instagram accounts I mentioned are extremely helpful, and you know, if, if you are one of those who just feel overwhelmed with the amount of pro-abortion, fear-mongering, and misinformation online, just please know you are not alone. Uh, this is, you know, a it's a celebratory time for 
those who are pro-life, but it's also an emotional time, as we discussed in the previous segment, um, because it is difficult seeing our friends, you know, genuinely or not scared of this decision and what is to come. Uh, I know a lot of my pro-life friends on Instagram and including myself to a certain extent, we are self-censoring because we do not want to upset those with different opinions. But if you are speaking out, you have such an important voice, you are very brave. um, And and I do think it's the compassionate thing to do to, uh, you know, correct this misinformation. You know, the fact checkers aren't going to be doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, I, I heard the, I heard this um, soundbite from Justice Clarence Thomas. Uh, It's actually from an old speech he gave at the Heritage Foundation, and it left me with uh, a feeling of hope and encouragement. So I wanted to play it for you all as we move into the next segment. You can be in the middle of a hurricane, or you can be on a calm day. North is still north. You could be in a thunderstorm. North is still north. People can yell at you. North is still north. It doesn't change fundamental things. And in this business, right is still right, even if you stand by yourself. All right. Powerful stuff. You can always count on Justice Clarence Thomas to give us some hope and clarity. Last week, prior to Roe being overturned, the Washington Post published a long feature piece about an 18-year-old girl named Brooke Alexander who found out she was pregnant 48 hours before the Texas abortion law took effect. The Washington Post framed the story as if Brooke was a victim of the Texas Heartbeat Act, perhaps the first victim of the new law, which restricted abortion once an ultrasound can detect cardiac activity around six weeks of pregnancy. Washington Post said this is the most restrictive abortion law to take effect in the United States in nearly 50 years. So this young girl was considering abortion and went to a pregnancy center um, called Pregnancy Center of the Coastal Bend to find out how far along she was. It was there when she discovered she was pregnant with twins and was 12 weeks along. So I'm going to get to more of the story later on, but first I couldn't help but notice the the constant disparagement of pregnancy centers. Uh, You could really sense this in the tone when this pregnancy center was mentioned in the story. Um, The Washington Post reported, quote, Brooke walked out of the pregnancy center that day with an ultrasound photo and a handful of lollipops uh, that she was promised would help her with her morning sickness. Uh, the ultrasound technician followed up with her a few times over text, and Brooks scheduled what the pregnancy center called a prenatal appointment, where she sat through another ultrasound, then dropped by for a parenting class, earning points she redeemed for a package of diapers. So I just have to address this. There are over 2,000 pregnancy centers throughout the United States, offering support and assistance to women facing unplanned pregnancies. And the Washington Post demeans their support to handing out lollipops to help with morning sickness (laughs) and a package of diapers. I mean, we've all, us, you know, on this podcast have 
have been involved in these pregnancy centers in one way or another. And Mm -hmm. and we know they do so much more than that. So it it enrages me to see the Washington Post disparage them. Like, oh, you're pregnant. Here's a couple lollipops to help with the morning (laughs) sickness. Like, give me a break. (laughs) It's such a a one-sided, narrow, narrow, narrow view of what pregnancy centers do because they – they journey with women all the way through their pregnancy and often far beyond after that baby comes. They're providing parenting classes that actually are sharing with young moms, first-time moms, how to be a good mom, how to deal with um, the practical challenges, how to um, you know get your baby on a schedule, like all, all the things. And they're also providing that material support um, far beyond just one package of diapers, um, whether it's formula, baby clothes, um, you know, so many things. I've volunteered at pregnancy centers before, and they so often have these amazing, uh, they call them often like clothes closets, where moms get to just come in and get what they need. And all of those items are provided by people in the community who are trying to help moms. Uh, And so, I mean, if if anything, at, at this moment in history, whether or not you are, um, you know, whether or not you're pro-abortion or you're pro-life, we should all be backing these pregnancy centers because what they're doing is supporting women who need help. Well, and I'm sure the article was so negative about the pregnancy centers because they were mad that she just didn't go to Planned Parenthood mm-hmm. or that she would walk in and they would hand her a set of pills or, or book her for the procedure the next day and quote unquote take care of the pregnancy, that she went to somewhere where they not only gave her the medical care that she needed, but also followed up with her to make sure she would be a sufficient parent. And they're trying to somehow demonize this, but uh, I know you're going to get into it, Kelsey. When the the facts are so true and that when life is so powerful, even their best attempts to demonize it really show why what abortion harms and why being pro-life is so powerful and and really the right way to, to be. Yeah. And what's interesting about this story is it was very long. Um, If you actually listen to it, it's 22, it would take you 22 minutes to get through. And we know a lot of people um, will just read the headline or read the first couple paragraphs. And this is the sense you get from this story that uh, this this young girl was a victim of uh, Texas's new abortion law. Um, and these pregnancy centers were just there to hang it, hand her out lollipops and maybe a package of diapers. Uh, but what you find out when you continue reading is that when she discovered she was not only pregnant, but pregnant with twins, she decided to uh, keep her baby. She, um, you know, might have been very difficult for her, but she could have gone to a different state if she wanted to. Um, but she decided to proceed with her pregnancy. And, um, you know, does she, does she regret that decision? Well, it's not until the very end of the story um, where you learn um, she absolutely has no regrets. I'm going to read you two quick paragraphs. Um, and when you'll learn, you know, this is actually a very different story than the Washington Post made you believe in the first couple sentences or paragraphs. So it reads, if it wasn't for the Texas law, Brooke knew she might not be standing here. She'd probably be studying for her next exam, where Billy, who was her boyfriend, mastered some new trick on the quarter pipe. 
She liked to think they'd still be together, spending their money on movie tickets and Whataburger instead of diapers and baby wipes. She told herself that alternative life didn't matter anymore. She had two babies she loved more than anything else in the world. I do, she said in tears in her eyes. Brooke pulled out her phone once they finished the ceremony, an hour and 15 minutes, time to grab some lunch and head home. The babies would be hungry. Looking at her daughters, Brooke struggled to articulate her feelings on abortion. On one hand, she said she absolutely believed that women should have the right to choose what's best for their own lives. On the other, she knew that without the Texas law, her babies might not be here. Who's to say what I would have done if the law wasn't in effect? She said, I don't want to think about it. Hmm. How powerful. So I can't help but think how hard the Washington Post worked to find women whose lives were changed because of the Texas abortion law. And I'm sure they went all over the state looking for stories to find some woman saying, you know, because of this law, Um, you know, she's in this really unfortunate situation and that she regrets in some way. But what do we learn at the end of this story? You know, they, I feel like they had no choice, but to accidentally tell a beautiful story of life. Mm -hmm. It is. I mean, I, I read it and walked away really inspired. Honestly, I was like, wow, this amazing young woman who's only 18 decided that she was going to give life to these two beautiful little babies and now you know she's she's living that out she's their mom and even though it's hard she can't picture her life any other way she can't picture her world without these two precious little lives and for one it's such a a testimony to the fact that women do not need abortion um, and also just shines a light on the beauty and the power of life so i think one important update to the story uh the ceremony that they were talking about was a marriage with her, her so that her, she's now married to the boyfriend. He's off at basic training, so she's home alone. She's unsure if she could meet her needs. She said, but go fund me. As of this recording, they have raised $70,000 wow. for this family. Wow. So whenever you hear that pro-life people are only about pro-birth and never want to help these families, that that is... When people read that, I'm looking, it's $1,000, $2,000 donations. Mm. Um, so I think that that's really powerful as well. Yeah, Lauren, actually, when we were preparing for this segment, I uh, was looking at this GoFundMe, and the goal was $70,000, and it was just, it was $200 short. <laughs> um, and so I tweeted it out. I knew, you know, we'd be able to get her over that goal. And mm-hmm. I'm actually very hopeful she's going to far surpass it, especially um, after us talking about it on this podcast. I shared it on my own Twitter at Kelsey Bowler, but you can Google her name, Brooke Alexander. Um, she's from Corpus Christi. And, um, you know, the GoFundMe is out there. You know, she's obviously not the only um mother who needs our support right now but what a beautiful way to show her that she is not alone um and these two adorable little twin girls who i'm looking at their picture right now are not alone so cute and i'm just uh, you know i am so curious what the media narrative is going to be moving forward especially in these states that do have very restrictive uh, laws regulating abortion now you know, are they going to be able to, you know, find the news stories that 
you know, they're, they're claiming are going to happen? Or are we going to have more stories like this where the Washington Post is clearly working overtime <laughs> to frame this law as if it's going to have horrific repercussions? And would you get instead a young, brave mother who has no regrets about giving life to her two beautiful baby girls. Mm-hmm. Mm. Awesome. Uh, such a powerful story. And we'll be sure to to share that link for the GoFundMe on the Problematic Women Instagram account story, because um, this is such a practical opportunity for a way that we can actually be a part of, of putting actions behind our, our words to love them both, to love moms right where they're at in the midst of, of unplanned pregnancies and the challenges that come with that, and to love those babies as well. Um, but stick around, because up next, we crown our Problematic Woman of the Week. It is now that time, once again, my favorite time of the week, time to crown our Problematic Woman of the Week. And the crown goes to all of our amazing pro-life women and pro-life listeners out there. Wow, that's a lot of problematic women. That's a lot of problematic women. (laughs) That's not a lot of problematic women. (laughs) As we touched on earlier in the show, it really took every single activist, every single person, every single listener, every single reader to come together and and prepare for this Supreme Court victory and overturning Roe versus Wade. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you all played a role in that. Um, and that's something to celebrate. It's something to be excited about. Uh, and I think, you know, moving forward, uh, it's the perfect time to be kind of thinking practically, how do I start putting actions behind my words? And, and if you're thinking, okay, I would love to get involved maybe in a pregnancy center in my community. I don't know where to start. Um, there's a great organization called CareNet, and they have lists of pro-life organizations all over the country. So if, if you're not sure, you know, if, if you Google pregnancy center in your town, you're not quite sure who to trust or um, just go to CareNet and you'll be able to look up your state, your town and find organizations uh, in your local community that are doing this work to help women uh, and help women facing unplanned pre- pregnancies. And maybe you can volunteer or you can just pick up some items at Target or, or Walmart and drop them off um, to... At to, Walmart, don't go to Target. Yeah, I was thinking that as I said Target, I was like, don't go to Target. <laughs> go to Walmart <laughs> or somewhere else, your favorite store. Um, and, you know, whether it's diapers or clothing or baby formula, if you can find it, um, to be helping these women who are in need. Yeah, and hey, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but really, the work has just begun. Yeah, we know a lot of states have, um, you know, very, uh, very lax abortion laws, and those are going to be very difficult to change. And it's really the hearts and minds we must win over. I'm optimistic that we can. Science and truth is on our side. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I I look forward to engaging on this more. Um, But, you know, all of our listeners, you've been so supportive thus far. Um, And I guess we're going full circle when we were talking about, you know, how we found out where we were at the top of the show. You know, I I have to be honest that I um, immediately thought of, Brie Payton, Mm -hmm. one of our original problematic women. Uh, She was such a loving defender of life. And I just wish she could have been with us to witness this moment. I know she is smiling from above and I'm sure um, taking care of so many babies Mm -hmm. up there and watching over all of us down here. 
Um, you know, there's so many people out there who I know put so much work into this movement who aren't alive to witness it today. Um, but you know, we, we know we did not do this alone. Um, so really from the bottom of all our hearts, thank Mm. you to everyone who has played a role big and small to get here and let's do more. Mm. There's definitely a big party in heaven. Yeah. (laughs) We got to end before I start crying. (laughs) (laughs) Well, with that, before Virginia starts crying, (laughs) even though I kind of want to see how long (laughs) she does actually cry. How many times can I make Virginia cry in one episode? (laughs) Apparently quite a few. (laughs) Well, before Virginia cries, that's going to be it for this week's edition of Problematic Woman. Join us on Thursday for our interview edition that would have been today, but we shifted to Thursday. We're going to keep talking about the life issue. Conservatives need your support in the podcast world, and we would greatly appreciate a five-star review on Spotify, CastBox, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does make a difference. Have a great week. We'll see you Thursday. Problematic Women is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is a product of The Daily Signal, produced by Lauren Evans and Virginia Allen. And be sure to follow Problematic Women on Instagram. We produce Problematic Women in remembrance of our dear friend and former co-host, Bree Payton.